Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 22nd of August, 2020. Now, as I was reading the Bible reading for today, I was reminded of a story of someone I knew who had some trouble right after their wedding. You see, they got married and it was exciting. Husband and wife, you may kiss the bride, had their wedding reception. And then this couple was going to drive up into the mountains about a couple hours where they were going to spend the first few days of their married life together at a cabin in the mountains for the start of their honeymoon. Well, the problem was they drove two hours up into the mountain to the cabin and they could not get in. There had been some kind of miscommunication with whoever owned the cabin and the key wasn't where they thought it was going to be and they could find no loose door or loose window. They could not get in to the cabin on the night of their wedding and so they drove uh, two hours back home and spent the the first few days of their marriage in their brand new apartment. And things didn't go like they thought they were going to go. And at that point, actually, I was uh, still engaged. I was getting ready to be married in only a couple weeks. And I heard this story and I was like, oh no, how awful must that be to have plans for that night go wrong? And I thought, man, that almost sounds like a fate worse than death. Well, that couple, they're still happily married. They realized, hey, the place that they were going to go that night, that wasn't the most important thing. And I want to talk to you today about something that is way more important and a surprise that I want all of us to avoid. It's one thing, especially on a honeymoon, to go somewhere thinking you're going to be able to get in and not being able to. That's certainly disappointing. But when we are talking about eternity, when we are talking about heaven and hell, well, now we're talking about something much, much more serious. And that's what takes us to the gospel of Luke today, chapter 13 and verses 22 through 35. And here we see Jesus, he's teaching, he's going towards Jerusalem and he is teaching and someone asks him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you. I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. So here we see one of the most serious warnings that we see in all of scripture. And we see Jesus say things like this throughout the gospels, but he's giving the idea of people who are going to stand before Christ on judgment day, expecting to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. 
and find out, no, you can't get in. Now we're talking about something that's not just disappointing, but something that is eternally tragic. And really, that is one of my chief concerns as a pastor, especially as a pastor in the United States of America, or for me, a pastor in the state of Idaho. Because I think there are so many people in our culture who think, hey, I'm cool with Jesus. And when I see him, when I die, he's going to give me a big hug and welcome me into the kingdom. And many people are going to end up like this in Luke 13 saying, hey, don't, don't we know you? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, all you workers of evil. And then it says, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are few topics that can be more important than what does it really mean to be a Christian? And actually, we're going to talk more about this specifically tomorrow as we start John 7 in our study of John at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. So I want to invite you to join us tomorrow in person or online uh, tomorrow morning at 9 or 11 o'clock. And we're going to talk more about this as we uh, think about John 7. But today, I, I don't even want you just to wait till tomorrow. Are you sure of your salvation? And how can we be sure, well, do we really understand the gospel? Even if I asked you that question, what is the gospel? Would you have a clear answer? Do you know that it's about what Jesus has done for us, that he, the son of God, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins and rose again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have new life? And then I would probably ask you, what's your testimony? And the Bible makes it very clear how we are to respond to the gospel. I mean, Jesus describes it as being born again, but that's something really that happens to us. He also describes, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, if I say, hey, I need to be born again, well, what do I do? Well, Jesus spells it out very clearly. The two words he uses the most are repent and believe. Repent means to turn, to turn from our sin. And to believe means that we're trusting in Christ. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin. I'm turning from my sin and I'm putting my trust in Christ. He is the Savior and Lord that I need. Have you done that? And I want you to see that that has to be more than just believing something in your head or or repeating words after somebody. You might have done that, but can you understand what I was doing is I was turning from sin and trusting in Christ. Because a lot of people, I think that there's never really been both of those elements. There's never really been, oh yeah, I know I'm a sinner and I need to turn from that. And a lot of people, maybe it's, I've tried to turn from my sin, but they've never put their trust in Christ, realizing that they need him for their salvation. This is very, very important. I would argue nothing is more important than this. I don't want to see people go through life expecting, well, I'm on my way to heaven. To find out, no, that's not where they're headed because they don't really know Christ. And something else we see from scripture, what does our life say? It's one thing for your mouth to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I've turned from my sin and trusted in him. Does your life back that up? And again, we need to be careful here because the Bible makes it so clear we cannot earn our salvation. We're not earning our salvation, our ticket to heaven by doing good things. That only comes through faith in Jesus and the good thing that he has done for us. 
But the Bible makes it clear if we're truly saved, it will show itself in a different life. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus tells the people to depart from him, that they are workers of evil. Their life shows no change, that there hasn't been repentance. There hasn't been faith. This is an important, important thing. So I really want us to to think, and I want you to think, and I want you to know, do I know for sure where I am going? And if you don't know, I would encourage you to talk to somebody, come to our church or reach out to us through our website. And we'd love to talk to you more about the most important question that we could possibly think that we could possibly answer. Next, I want us to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, which gets us thinking back to the end times. And he's talking about the day of the Lord that is that is going to come and reminding them, hey, the day of the Lord, which is ultimately the, the end when Christ will come back to earth and reign on earth, uh, there's going to be things that happen before that. It talks about this man of lawlessness. And I think this is describing this tribulation time period and ultimately the Antichrist and a falling away and a mass deception that will go on during that time period. But the application that we're going to see from this comes at the end of the chapter where Paul says, starting in verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And that, that encouragement is to stand firm. And that's something we need to hear today. I think the end is closer than it's ever been. And, and I think even our understanding of the scriptures could be that Jesus could come back for his church at any moment, right? That if you are a Christian, we should wake up every day saying, today could be the day that I meet Jesus. When what we read in 1 Thessalonians 4 happens, when the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive, we will meet them in the clouds and we will be with the Lord forever. That's happening anytime now. Are we ready to stand firm until that happens? Because even though the man of lawlessness, we're not in the tribulation right now, I think the Bible makes it clear things are going to get worse before they get better. And And we need to be ready to stand firm in that time. Well, now I want us to check in with our friend Job as we see, as we read chapters 12 through 15 today. And 12 through 14, Job kind of speaks more at length, three chapters in a row of Job uh, talking. And again, he's disagreeing with his friends, even in chapter 12, uh, verse Uh, Five, the tents of robbers are at peace and those who provoke God are secure, who bring their God in their hand. So remember, his friends are saying, hey, bad things happen to bad people. And Job is saying, not all the time. There's some tents of robbers that are at peace. And we see Job really struggling through things because it's clear he is suffering And I think we see a great encapsulation of the struggle that Job is facing in chapter 13, verse 15, where Job says, talking about God, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I think this book helps 
helps us understand a lot about what Job is going through. And really, I think it helps us start to see what Job does well and what he doesn't do well. Because in the book of Job, we see Job clearly commended and we see him clearly rebuked. Like even at the beginning, it says, in all this, Job did not curse God. He blessed the Lord. It's making clear he didn't sin in these initial trials that he was going through, that he didn't curse God. He kept his faith in the Lord. But by the end of the book, when God shows up and reveals himself and speaks to Job, after that, Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. So what is Job repenting of at the end of the book? Well, it says he was a blameless and righteous man at the beginning of the book. And then after all this calamity happens to him, it says that he is not sinning in how he is speaking. So what goes on? And I think this verse starts to help us see that there there is both good and bad in Job's response. It is good that even though it seems like God is taking everything from him, he is hoping in him. But what I think we also start to see is Job saying, but I will argue my ways to his face. And you kind of get a little bit of that vibe in some of Job's speeches throughout this book. Hey, let me talk to God. Let me argue my case before God. Almost, I've got a beef with how God is doing things and I want to talk to him about it. And I think that really gives us an understanding a little bit of what is going on with Job, both the good that he is still hoping in God no matter what, but also the bad that he starts to get frustrated and wants to contend with God. And then in chapter 15, we kind of start round two, the cycle through Job's three friends. And we see Eliphaz speak again and and he's giving more of the, yeah, look at the bad people, they're suffering. And again, are there times where does sin lead to bad consequences? Yes, that is a general rule, even we see in scripture. But we also see in scripture, there's times where for a moment, and sometimes even for what seems like a long time to us from a short-term perspective, that people are sinning and getting away with it. And we see wicked people prospering in an earthly sense sometimes. But Job's friends are still bringing that overly simplistic mindset to the table. And speaking of wrestling with God in suffering, we're going to see an example of that as we start Psalm 102 today. And today in the first 11 verses, we're going to see really the grief of the psalmist. And even there in kind of the, the introductory statement Uh, Above the the psalm there, it says it's a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day that I call. And then he describes his his struggles and, and that he's lying awake. And verse 11, he wraps it up. My days are like an evening shadow, I wither away like grass. But then we're going to see that perspective shift in verse 12. That's a good reminder that we, we don't have to look at every trial and just say, well, this must be great that there is a time, there is a place for us to go and pour out our grief before the Lord. And if there's things that are weighing on you today, I would encourage you go to God with those things. And let's look to him, our Savior and our Lord. And again, the main thing I would encourage you to take away from our reading today is, are you sure of where you're headed eternally? I don't want anyone to be surprised when they stand before Christ. The Bible has told us clearly what we need to know. And that's why we're going to keep on seeking God through this book as we continue in this journey of revival from the Bible. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 